Not had enough of me yet? Well, good news. You can now listen to William Hill's Upfront with Simon Jordan podcast right here. The series, hosted by me, gives you a front row seat to big name interviews discussing their career successes and failures. Sit back and enjoy. And I give you an advice. What? Never sing footballs coming home. <laughs> and the moment you start singing you this like thing, that. you jinx it. As a black person, you can, in sports, you can do a lot. You can participate, but you cannot decide. A thing that was against me as a manager was the fact that I am too happy. There were two things that was important for me. Hoddle came to my house. <laughs> <laughs> this is Upfront with me, Simon Jordan. I believe there are a lot of vacuous, uninformed, unchallenged opinions out there. I want to get to the bottom line and cut through the nonsense. So with this podcast with William Hill, I'm going to get people with strong views who think they can stand them up to proper scrutiny. There's a good chance I might learn something along the way. And more importantly, so might you. Joining me in today's episode, a Dutch icon from the total football era. His accolades stretch across the domestic and international game, winning the Euros, multiple titles in Holland and Italy, two European Cups, whilst achieving the ultimate individual honour, the Ballon d'Or. Initial success in management following lifting the FA Cup with Chelsea before an infamous Geordie fallout. Rude Hullet, welcome to Upfront. No, no, no fallout. Just, you know, just resigned. We'll get to that, Mr Hullet. I just say it we'll, to we'll you, get you know, to it's that. not a fallout. We'll get to that. You can set that record straight. <laughs> anyway, we've got a rare beast in front of us because there's only been... 38 Ballon d'Or winners, and you're one of those, so it's really nice to see you. Thank Look, you. Take us back. What I, what I do with you guys, you superstars of sport, is try to understand what it was that created you, what it was that made you, what it is that uh, were the unique ingredients that enabled you to achieve the characteristics. And, and your background is an interesting one. You know, you've obviously come, originally your father came from Suriname, yeah. um, and you arrive in Holland, uh, at an interesting time in, in the development of Dutch football. Mm -hmm. and in the interviews I've seen you, the way that you've played for your career, your achievements obviously speak for themselves. But there's an element of significant self-assuredness about you. Where does that sort of belief system come from? The thing is that my father was a, was a teacher. Right. And my mom worked in the museum. So therefore, my father had no time to bring me anywhere. Right. I had to do everything myself. Uh, and if I ask him... If he could, then he said, you have a bike. When I was invited to do selection games for the national team of mm -hmm. under 16 or something like that, I had to go from school, take the tram, train, bus, go there, play, and go back again. Yeah. Sometimes I had times that I came home very late on a Wednesday afternoon and still doing school. So therefore, I did everything myself. I played for a, a, a small and amateur team, and I could compare myself to to players who were playing for big teams from Ajax, Feyenoord, PSV, Eindhoven. Right. And I could compare myself, and I said to myself, they aren't much. Compare yourself in what way? In, uh, in, in skills sense. and abilities. Yeah, yeah. And I said to myself, these are not better than me. Right. I, I felt that I, I was better than them. So uh, therefore, well, I, I had you a feeling. About 15, 16 year old Yeah, kids? so yeah. therefore, you have a feeling like, oh, you know, if, if you feel like that, then yeah. you have a possibility to to become a football player if yeah. you if you have the right 
attitude to well, where does that belief come from the root i mean we all i was a confident kid and i wanted to set out to do things in my life and never believed that anything was i believed everything was overcomable but to have that sort of self-assuredness that must have been programmed into you from somewhere i i i don't know i think my mom for instance is uh, is a very you know very positive person yeah for her the cup is always half full um she smiles a lot she can't do harm to any people and and i have a lot of also of her in me i i see everything in in a, in a, in a, in, a, in a pink cloud you know everything is positive yeah I, I sometimes i think back to myself i think i had a little bit too much of self belief but it helped me and i am also positive i like i like to laugh in in, yeah. in life i like to have you to know to enjoy it to embrace I, it yes i enjoy life i i remember being 10 years old walking around near a, a, a big there's a big church in in the area where it was it was the Westerkerk it's a very famous uh, and i was walking around on 10 years old and i remember and i said to myself i was so happy that i had to stand still at that moment of happiness right so i still remember this like you stamp mm. it in your memory yeah. and for a 10 year old that that's odd mm. to think like that but i I all I thought about that moment. So therefore I had a wonderful youth. I have my, my mom was yeah was fantastic for me for her mentality. My father was a teacher, so he was all the time trying to educate me yeah. in all kinds of things, yeah. interested me in Broad all of things. Yeah. So I think that that helped me in my in my career. When you talk about this confidence and this belief and you 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 touched upon it yourself you know in terms of maybe I was overconfident at times does that manifest itself in an example with Ajax where I I see an anecdote about you being offered an opportunity to go to Ajax at yeah. a certain stage in your career and your expectation was for them to come to you rather yeah. than, and, and and kind of sort of the ibrahimovic ideal that he doesn't have trials no you haven't no you, don't, you do, no that was not the, the reason for I, i i didn't had that self belief for that but the thing is they called me in order to uh, have a talk with me yeah. and i said look my parents are not here they're working both you know come to my house then we can talk with my parents both of them we can talk about this you know this going to ajax yeah and they said no 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 you have to come to us you have to be happy to explain for us right you know it's a, and i was like so i have to be happy to, <laughs> i have to come to you you right. want me yeah i just wanted to feel how much you want me okay it's 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 a little bit odd that you tell me i have to be happy that you could play for ajax it's almost the other way around at 15 you've got an iconic football club yeah that wants to give you yeah the opportunity yeah and you look at it the other way around no i i wanted to be coming in a warm bath i yeah. want to have somebody who comes to me and says look i'm so happy that you come uh, to our club you know can we discuss it and i you know come to your house that's normal if i want something if i want to have a car i go to the garage then i buy the car there so i i didn't have a feeling a warm feeling the, the and and the thing was that on the same time also harlem was another club yeah. barry ukes was a welshman He wanted me as well. He came to my house right. and he said, "Look, uh, you know, we want to discuss about the fact that you come." So I had a feeling that this guy really wanted me. Yeah. 
he was really, and, and the funny thing is that after my career, I met these people who were talking with me from Ajax. Yeah. And he said to me, it was unbelievable that you said that to us. Yeah. He said, but you were absolutely right. But we were in a position that we thought we could say anything we wanted because everybody was, yeah. was coming to us anyway. Everybody wanted to play for you. And I just said, look, you didn't give me a feeling that you really wanted me. I had a feeling that I was one of the so many that wanted to come for you. And I, I was almost, you know, hanging like with heads mm -hmm. like this. So I said to them, look, I, I think I made a, a good career also without you. Of course. <laughs> but of course. I, I, I found it very, very strange if you really want something and that I have to be happy to, to, to play for you and that I see, have to come to you. See, I would look at it the other way. Um, because having been a club owner, I would say it's wonderful, your, your talents, but I'm the one that's giving you the opportunity. Without, yeah, but, my, without my team, you can have your talent and yeah. you can blow it out of your ass because you'll have nowhere to play. Yeah, but, you know, I just want to feel from you. Yeah, it's a balance. It's a feeling. It's a feeling that you give me. Yeah, it's a balance. Yeah. And the feeling that they yeah. gave me was that I had to be happy to play for them. Yeah. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, you know. But it's bloody confidence though, isn't it? The thing is, is that people sometimes uh, mix confidence with arrogance. They do. That's not the point. Yeah, I agree. I with was you. not arrogant at yeah. all. I was confident of my abilities. Yeah. But I just wanted to to, to look for some. So can you imagine? I went to a team that was way lower yeah. than Ajax. So it's not because I was arrogant to go. No, no I just wanted to have a feeling yeah. that somebody really was up for me, and I took the right decision. That team relegated also. So mm. I started. I played a couple of games in Harlem. Not many. Some Something people like, would say that you could have been a big fish in a small pond there, and that might fed the fed the necessity to be loved and stroked and massaged no, and told how wonderful you are. No, no, no. I didn't have that because I was going with the train. I was going there with the bus. Yeah. I went there to a school. I just went to the same thing, and, and and I was training with the first team. I played five games in the beginning, and then I went to the second team. So, you know, I was not. But it must have taken. I mean, I'm not going to dwell on this subject too much. But it, I I like it because it's ballsy. It must have taken balls. See, I agree with you. I hate the expression arrogance. It's an expression that's often used to qualify somebody that makes other people feel comfortable uncomfortable because they're very confident and they believe because it because they don't have it. Yeah. And then they see it like that. The thing is, it's just I, I I always followed my intuition. And the, the the gut feeling was not the right moment. Yeah. When I had, was with Harlem, I had I had a good feeling. This this guy, Barry Hughes, gave me a good feeling. Yeah. Gave me just and I and I'm happy that I made that yeah. made that decision based on my gut feeling. Because everybody in Amsterdam says to me, How on earth did you didn't go to Ajax? Because of the iconography that goes with Ajax, is it ever a regret for you? No. No no regret at all. No, 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 no. When you were developing, who were your Footballing inspirations. Who did you look to? No, I, Who did you I think that Johan Cruyff was of an course. inspiration yeah. for us all. I think that the way he played football and the Netherlands in seventies, in yeah. the seventies, was a, was was an inspiration for our players, for the youngsters after that, but also for the rest of the world to watch Dutch football. This total football. Where this this ideal that was I don't where did it first come from where who who first denoted Dutch football as total football I think football? that that was um, uh, Michels right the coach the thing is Dutch you know total football is just 
A lot of people don't understand what it means. Well, that's what I'm going to ask you next, because I'll tell you why. Let me make a point and you can then smash me to pieces if you want. See, I, I watched Dutch football and I thought it was brilliant. But then I, I remember watching the Nottingham Forest team of 1978-79 that had no star players until they signed Trevor Francis. That team played beautiful, yeah. beautiful football. And I, and I think to myself, this idea that total football is something was only the precinct of the Dutch, is that know. not a bit of a myth? I don't know. I, I don't know how you see it. I think that we were the first one to do so. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, let me, then, then explain to me what you think total football is. Now, for me, total football was, uh, it's, it's very simple. If I'm a left back, okay, and I just go forward, yeah. okay, most of the times in England, especially in England, yeah. you see that after this, 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 this play has been finished, it's yeah. a goal kick, kick or the, you see this left back running all the way back to his left back. No, yeah. you stay there. Yeah, someone else drops in. That's the left midfielder yeah. plays left back. Yeah. So on, so you can stay there. So that's the total football, nothing else. Versatility. It's the, just it's, versatility. Yeah. Everywhere you go, you switch positions, but you stay in the positions on that moment where you finish. That's what total right. football is all about. So you have. So I don't want you right back to go, run all the way back. In, in most of the time, I see a, I see a, a central defender goes with a corner kick, and then after the corner kick, you see him running as a crazy yeah, to, to position. position yeah. You don't need to because there's somebody else yeah. there, so you can stay there because we wanted to put pressure on the opposition. It was a 4-3-3 system. And why? Because the Dutchies believed in the 4-3-3 system, you have more triangles. Right. Okay. And that's why you have, when you all the time have these triangles, it's easier to play your yeah. football. That's a little bit. I had arguments about that also with Johan Cruyff, right. <laughs> because with Milan, we won with 4-4-2. Yeah. I remember people saying that a lot of English teams came to Milan to see how we played mm -hmm. our 4-4-2. Uh, because England was always playing 4-4-2. Yeah, yeah. If I had a discussions with English, they say, yeah, it's very, it's not very adventurous to play only with one striker. Yeah. You see, but we see the right wing and the left wing also as a sort of strikers. Yeah, yeah. But they see it as only one striker. Yeah. I understand that as well. And, and I think in football, there is no one philosophy. I think football is just to find a jigsaw in your team that makes you all of a sudden yeah. win. And sometimes it, it just happens. It, it, in the beginning, when you start, you don't think immediately, oh, this is it. This is it, I've got the Zeitgeist. It, it, yeah. it, it, it grows slowly, it evolves, slowly, yeah. slowly. It evolves. And, yeah. You brought up Cruyff. I mean, obviously he's the stuff of legends in terms of when you look at the players over the years that we discussed, we talk about the Eusebios, we talk about the Georgie Bests, who oh, I yeah. personally think yeah. was the best player that ever played. You you may well have a different view. Talk to me about your you, you know you you go to Finehood, and you play alongside him. This this engagement that you have with him, this relationship that you have with him, this knowledge that you gain yeah. from him. Walk me through that. But the thing is, at um, when he came to us, it was a total surprise. He went to Finehood to the yeah. enemy. Yeah, he had been badly treated. He mm -hmm. says by Ajax, and that's why he goes to the enemy. He wants to make a point. Right. I think he's at 38 or something. He's still, you know, like, you know, still yeah. good, you know, bony, strong. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm on training. I tried to nick the ball of him, and he, and I couldn't, couldn't do it. it. Yeah. And I was looking at myself, and I said, to him, "Can you imagine when he was 27, how good how he was? How good he must have been? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't get him. Yeah. 
and he was like a coach on the pitch. Right. He was talking all the time. Yeah. So he had, he he, he created so much time and space that he could talk, yeah. put players in position in order to play your game. For me, that was the best learning, you know, best teacher I could have. I have a, I have a coach on the pitch yep. during the game. And after the games, we, we, we were talking with each other. And uh, that year, he, you know, because of him as well, he made us win title. How old were you then? I think 21, 22 right. or something like that, I think. And I was like, yeah, the best teaching I had from him. We went on a trip to Indonesia and we were in the elevator with each other. And then we ended up to have a conversation of four hours. Right. And he told me, he said, Rudy, you have to, when you play, you have to make other players better. And I said, oh, he wants me to do the same thing that he does with other players. Yeah. He says also, he says, Rudy, if you want to change from club, you're going to get a lot of trouble, a lot of hassle. There are other players who can just transfer easy from one club to another, but you can't. And he explained to me what happened with him. When he went to Barcelona, yeah. he got boxes sent to his house, opened up, there was a spiders in there, big tarantula in, right. the, in, the, in yeah. the box. Yeah. And he got so much hassle. And you had no internet in those days, so right. you get letters yeah, and yeah. things like that. He got so much hassle just for being, just for, for going from Ajax to, to Barcelona. Right. So he was trying to, to prepare myself, prepare me yeah. for what was coming while I still didn't know what he was or talking about to, yeah, at yeah. that moment. So then I played one year more without Johan, and that, that was of, obvious that the things were not going that well at the moment. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, now I have to make a transfer. Can you take criticism? Oh, yeah. As long as it's constructive, yeah. Oh, yeah, I take criticism. Yeah. The thing is, that is what Cruyff told me. He says, when you are good, yeah, you're going to get criticized. Oh, yeah. you got all the, yeah. all the time. Yeah. People want to mold you. People want to have a, a grip on you or something yeah. like that. And I, for me, it's in the beginning when you're young, you don't like it. You know what the worst thing is about the criticism? It's not you. It's my mom. My mom, yeah. oh, she yeah. suffered the most from yeah. that. I didn't suffer for that. I just took it. And sometimes you see, hear a quick criticism and you think, could be true, could yeah. be. It's fair, Chris. It's fair, yeah. but it didn't make me go down. And the thing is, I don't do all, all the things I do is not right always. I, I, I make mistakes as well. No, Rude. No, of course. I need to make mistakes because if you don't make mistakes, how can you grow? You played with Cruyff at a certain stage in his career. You would have seen his career to a certain extent because you were in the same space in the same league. And you played against Maradona. If you were looking at those two in isolation, who would you say was the better player? For me, Maradona was the best player I've ever seen. Really? Yeah, ever. That, it's, it's, it's exactly the thing that I said. When I was with Johan Cruyff, he was in the end of his career. Yeah. I didn't know how good he was when he was 27. Right. I see footage of it. Footage I know, him, yeah. I know. I saw him on but television. But you saw the real deal with Maradona. But now I was on the pitch against Maradona yeah. <laughs> and I saw that. Look, 
I, I see also Messi. I see yeah. also Ronaldo. I see them. I see them. To, I, I haven't been on the pitch in order right. to see how good he is. Right. I can see it. But in those days, you know, you were like, you know, you were a target. They kicked the hell out of you. Mm -hmm. They really wanted to kick you out of the game. Yeah. Cruyff also, they wanted to kick you out. Georgie Best, they wanted to yeah. kick them out of the yeah, game. And, uh, and, and, and therefore, you had no protection whatsoever. Now, they have that protection. Good also. But I see Maradona in that era kick you out oh, yeah. and then being so influential. Yeah, when Still. He, when he was at Barcelona and Napoli. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I said to myself, that that is fantastic. That is unbelievable. And so therefore, I can't compare Messi with, with, with Maradona, but I saw Maradona in that era and I said to myself, oh my God. When you look at Man City, and it, it feels to me that there's a, a logical extension from the thinking that Cruyff had to yeah. the dynamics of what Pep's achieving and what he's done. Do you think Man City are the best team we've ever seen? No, it's not the best team we've ever seen, but he's one of the best teams we've ever seen. Amongst whom? Well, you have the, the the great Liverpools, the great Man United, sure. the the the, but there's something the great Ajax. But there's something different about this Man City no, side. No, 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 you no. Don't it's think the so? same. Because if you see the great Liverpool, they won three Champions League in a row. Oh, I agree. And if we had Graham Sooners here patting himself on the back, he'd be saying he was That's the architect true. of that. That's true. Yeah. So therefore, you need to, you can't compare it. The most difficult part sometimes with Pep's game is that he puts so much pressure on the opposition that becomes boring because they have the ball all the time. Yeah. And he doesn't like that to say that, but that is what it is. Mm -hmm. It's almost the same as Formula One. Hamilton was first and Hamilton's yeah. winning. Yeah. Now we have Verstappen, he has the best car, he's yeah. winning all the time. Yeah, yeah. And people say, yeah, that's boring to watch. And they say, yeah, but do you know how much work we had to yeah. do? Yes, I understand. Yeah. But as a neutral, yeah. we want to see a game. We want to yeah. see a struggle. But they're doing it so well that the opposition has no possibility to get out. That is already an achievement on yeah. itself. And it that is because of his technical awareness and also trying to get the players. The most important thing for him was to get the right players in the back. Mm. Not so much the players up front, the players in the back. How many? How much did he spend on players yeah, yeah. in the back? Stones was not even his most important player. Yeah. He would put him on the bench. Then yeah. later on, he found out that, oh, he can play in the field. And all of a sudden he became, so therefore I say, sometimes just one thing can change it, and it's just trying to find the puzzle of this jigsaw. Now, I'm in love with Carl Walker. I just think Carl Walker is a oh, phenomenal yeah. player. Phenomenal player. Yeah. But also he has been on the bench a couple of yeah, times. Yeah. Eh? Yeah. Also him. So therefore he tries to do something that is the most difficult. I I, I am very proud of him, what he have achieved to win the triple. And in the way he did it was for me phenomenal. I, I would recommend him just resign because you can't do better. Can't go any further, you can't yeah. go better. You can only go down. Back to you. You leave you leave Finehood, but was there any trepidation going to AC Milan as the world's most expensive player? Did it fill you with any anxiety about this? Geez, look at the price tag. Seven and a half million quid. Um, I'm going to Milan. Did it fill you with any anxiety? Or, no. no, not at all. No, I, I thought I knew the answer. No. But no, no. I told you I had overconfidence. <laughs> yeah. Now you, I, had, you had belief. I had yeah. belief in yeah. myself. I, I was confident. Because some people shrink under the weight of expectation, don't they? Because the the you know what the thing is, I enjoy playing football. Yeah. When I'm on the pitch, yeah. I enjoy what I do. 
I want to have fun. It's yeah. like a kid who wants yeah. to have fun. So I don't see it as work. No. I see it as, oh, oh we're going to play again. Why did you choose Italy? I mean, you must have had an embarrassment of riches. All the best players were in Italy. At that time? At that time. Yeah. It was the pinnacle. If you go to any team in Italy, every team had the three best foreigners of the world mm -hmm. in their team. So whatever game you play, you always had to be on your toes because it was it was it was hard work. Is that is that was it also that the, the money was in Italy at the time? Also, yeah, the money, yeah. of course, because they were the only one who could afford me. I never thought that I would go to Milan. Yeah, I get I get a phone no I get a phone call in the training uh, facility of PSV Eindhoven, and they call me and they say you have to go to the Phillips building. Mm -hmm. I have to do, yeah, you know, there's there are people there you want to talk with you. Yeah. Okay. So I go to, to the Phillips building, I go in, and Mr. Berlusconi is sitting there. Mm. And they tell me, I said, yeah, he bought you for 14 million. That was an Ostrom, uh, it was an unbelievable yeah. uh, uh, amount of money at that, that moment. And I said, okay. <laughs> it was a strange moment for me to understand that I was going to, to Milan. But it, it, it must have been quite a nice landing for you because you then you've got this triumvirate, haven't you? You've got you, you've got Frank Reichardt, no, and you've got Marco van Basten, no. Tell me no. Why no? First year you're, was only... You're, you're the first one there. First year was only van Basten and me. Right. Uh, Marco got injured after four games. Yeah. And only came back in the last four games of the season only. Frank Reichardt was not playing there. Right. And I remember... We knew that Frank was the last puzzle of the jigsaw. Piece of the jigsaw. We needed yeah. already during that season. We were not even champion that, that time. Needed to have him on midfield with us, and we persuaded him, persuaded him, and eventually he came the second year. And that's why the second year when we came, he made our team complete. And also Marco, because Marco didn't play for most of the majority of that season. Didn't play. But when Marco came back the second year, oh my God, that was you were a flying machine. Yeah, yeah. That was we were complete as yeah. as a, as, a, as a team, and we could continue to do so for a lot of lot of years. Not so much winning everything all the time because the second year we didn't win the championship in in Italy. We we won the Champions League, mm -hmm. and for Berlusconi. The most important thing was the Champions League because yeah. that was, you know, to to show yourself to the world. But it's a it's a it's a fabulous period of time for you though, isn't it? Because it 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 doesn't culminate, but what comes out of that is, as I said at the beginning of this discussion, the Ballon d'Or has been around since 1956. There's 66 awards of which 38 winners because it's been dominated over yeah. 14 years by Messi and Ronaldo. But for you to win the Ballon d'Or, I mean. What does that do for somebody to be told you're the best player in the world? What does that do to your mind? I mean, your mindset doesn't need much adjustment, does it? Because you have great belief in yourself anyway. But there must be an impact to be told. I mean, yes, that, it, that, it was a, it was just an acknowledgement of the the fun I had. I it's had, more than that, though, isn't it? No, it's it's that. It's I mean, it's prestigious, though, isn't it? Yes, but. It, it Did is, you feel it was prestigious? I felt, I felt very honoured. Yeah. I was very humble about it, and 
it was a, yeah, it was like an acknowledgement for the fact that I believed in myself yeah. and that I that I made the right decisions in my life. Did you think then? Did you feel? I didn't feel for myself the best player in the world. That's my question. Because for me, Jago was the best player in right. the world. Mm. So if if they have given it on that moment to him, I couldn't understand. That. Um, when you got your Ballon d'Or in '87, you dedicated it to Nelson Mandela. Yeah. And he obviously reacted to that and, and made observations about your your viewpoint on him and your interest in him and his plight. What what made you do that, Rude? Now, as you knew, I was into reggae music yeah. when I was young. And uh, reggae music was all about struggle. Right. And the struggle was a lot of about South Africa, about uh, anti-apartheid yeah, yeah. uh, movement and things like that. When I was playing in Holland, I was also going to a lot of, you know, uh, meetings and things about South Africa. Uh, of course, right. uh, Holland had a little bit of uh, a grief about what happened in the past. So they were okay. one of the, in the in front of all the countries in Europe about fighting against apartheid. Okay. And so therefore, I went to a lot of these these things in Holland. And I remember that one meeting I was the was a guy from the anti-apartheid movement ANC came to me uh, Sam Ramsey and he came to me and he said Rudy I know that you are you know doing all these things for us the best thing for you for us you can do is playing good playing yeah. good football don't get involved in all kinds of interviews left and right mm. all these manifestations yeah. go there don't do that you just play well. We yeah. know already that you are already doing this yeah. for us. So that was in Holland. Yeah. So then when I went to Italy, for me, that was the obvious thing to do, to dedicate it. And that became all of a sudden in the whole of Europe, like, oh, my God, this guy mm -hmm. is in, in politics. That's not politics. Are you of the belief that sports can and should be used because I mean, I know you've said something previously. You said lots of footballers have interesting things to say, but no one asks them anything interesting. Most of them, no, they don't. They want to know about. They have, but I told you the story about Sam Ramsey. Mm -hmm. Don't get involved. Yeah. If you see now what happens nowadays, yeah. players get involved, and yeah. you get punished for it. You get really abused about taking a stand nowadays. Yeah. Then we have the woke area also. Yes, so we you do. are not allowed to say anything. So that 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 words of Sam Ramsey is applying now. Mm. It's just, you know, so do you do you so I mean whether you should or you shouldn't. I I I wrote an article this week in the in the media about Jordan Henderson and the flack that he's taking because I believe of the hypocrisy that he's exhibited. By wanting to be a campaigner, or you for... want to be the same in the same, yeah, you can, yeah. So you can't do both ways. But, but here, that's 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 what comes out if you take a stand, yeah, for something. But do you think I, I don't? I believe that sportsmen. I'm not suggesting they're not capable of speaking on matters around the world, but I believe that people go to watch sport to, to enjoy something. Yes, to not get to be told to... what they should think or I, I what's going know, on in the rest of the world. I know, but Nelson Mandela said it. Sport can change the world, can change a lot of things. Well, he would say that because he's a politician and politicians like to lever and leverage and that's use true. situations. That's true. But we, as sportsmen, I, I agree a little bit with you because you, in, in moments of 
grief or moments of bad times, yeah. sport can get 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 lift, rid of that tension. Lift people, yes, yeah. It's, you know, you want to entertain people on the moment, the most difficult yeah. moments in their life, and that's we are aware of that as well. We 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 know that. Yeah, we know that. And, and, and that's why people go to stadiums, just to get that tension, that relief. You know, That's why people shouting all the time, because they have a bad moment. They want to be part of something positive. Mm -hmm. I, I, I understand that. And if you, as a sportsman, believe in something or do something, you know, do I have to tell you to Chevchenko not to say anything about what happens in this country? You, you know. No, I I agree. I, I, you understand. My, my accusation. It is. It is. It is a. It is a fine line. It is. At a, a it moment, is a fine line. My, a my, fine line. My accusation would be and has been, um, is that when it comes down to it, in order to support something, it comes with a sacrifice. Yeah. It comes with a preparedness. Yes. To take the consequences. Yes. And it doesn't feel like sports. It wants the virtue signal. It wants to say, oh, this is awful what's happening in the Ukraine. Oh, this is awful what's happening in the Middle East. Oh, the LGBTQ I, rights I, in Qatar. I understand. But hang on. I'm not taking a fucking yellow card for that. I, 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 and, I, and that's I why I feel it. sports should keep away from it. I get it. I get it. I, I, I fully understand. I, I fully understand. It's up to the individual if he feels so. But yeah, it, the consequences can be can be can be horrible. Yeah, for for taking a stance nowadays. And I was lucky to meet somebody already on a very 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 early age to say to me, "Look, don't get involved yeah. in those. Just play good football for us. That is the but best you thing did, you can you, do." But you did have strong opinions when we when we went into COVID and the circumstances around BLM and taking the knee. I think you were quite strident about that standpoint. I don't know. You do? Wait, was I? Yeah. I With think what? you were quite. I mean, I'm, I do remember seeing you debating on uh, with John Barnes and Nigel De Hong about ah, the Romanian yes. referee that had had used the the word Romanian word for black, which is negro, and there was an anger about the use of language, but also. The, the the taking of the knee, I think you were supportive. I think some of the quotes you were talking about, which was Martin Luther King and the peaceful approach towards life and demonstrations yeah. and where it had it got people. The point what is, I, what I was making that it, I couldn't understand why you were against the fact that somebody would take the knee just to support it, okay? To support the fact for Black Lives Matters. If we look now also, uh, uh, the, but the, you went beyond that, Rude, because the big argument is, and I and I make this point to you as a white man to a black man yes. about opportunities in sport and the lack of representation, and uh, and I have owned a football club and I have invited people to work for me from every persuasion yeah. because I don't give a shit what you are as long as you can do a job. But if you if, you you are like that, but a lot of other people are not like that. So you made observations about the black coaches in Dutch football and the feeling yeah. and you made it specifically about Patrick, about Patrick Clivert not being given an opportunity or to coach properly or only ever being a coach. Okay, I will ask I will tell you. The the Dutch Federation had a problem with diversity in their in the in the in the, in the Federation. A lot had had a problem. A problem with, with a problem with, with doing diversity yes, doing, doing diversity. They wanted help in order to do so. Okay, because a lot of people 
they say they, they don't see it. Okay. The worst thing that people can say in that debate was when we were on television was some of them that said, yeah, but, you know, I don't want to uh, uh, just employ somebody who's black. And by the way, I, I want quality. Yeah. But that's so almost if you say that black people don't have quality. That was a bad and rude... No, but that's your interpretation. But you're the embodiment. But you're the embodiment. You've achieved everything. You've managed some yes, of the biggest clubs, but that played is for the because, biggest clubs, one individual honors. Yeah, but as a black person, you can, in sports, you can do a lot. Yes. You can participate, but you cannot decide. Hmm. See, I disagree with you. Yeah, but that is that is the point. And that is also what the Federation was thinking. Right. So the Federation asked help. So we founded a commission, the Commission Minos. And Mr. Minos was the first black player who played for the national team, for right. the Dutch national team. In three years' time, and not without a struggle, eh? because they didn't want to a lot of people didn't want to negotiate with us from the Federation. We, yeah. we felt that they were trying to push us out. And it took us a long time. Eventually, after three years, we managed to get a woman as director of the Federation. Nigel Young is technical director. But not because she was a woman, though. Because no. she was talented. Yes, but... And she just happened to okay, be a woman. I will give you. I will give you another example. There was a Philharmonic Orchestra, okay, yeah. who always had a first violin, violist, or whatever you call it, yeah. as a man. Okay? Yeah. So, and of course, after a while, I said, well, how is that possible all the time? So they organized a blind edition. Just listening. I've heard this analogy before. Yes. Yeah. Listening to what they said. Yeah. They said, okay, this one is the best. And it was a woman. Yeah. So therefore, you need to give people opportunities first in order to talk with them. Yeah. You maybe did it, but not everybody did it. Wait a minute. No, no, I'm not gonna, yeah. <laughs> so therefore, the Federation now, now we have in the board, we have Seedorf now, yeah. who is in the board mm -hmm. of the Federation. That would have never happened before. Right. So we are happy that that change has been occurred. Now people acknowledge the fact of yeah. this commission. What happened in America? Everybody said the same thing like you. Ah, yeah, I don't mind. But there was nothing happening. They had to impl well, the implicate a rule in yeah. order to. What do you see in America now? You see black coaches, black coaches in basketball, American football. And so therefore, it is there. But it is about opportunities. Yeah. I mean, my argument on the other side of this, insofar as I have another argument, right? Because I, I think what you're saying is what I believe in, which is equal opportunity. I don't believe yeah. equal opportunity equals equal outcome. No, I, yeah. I, I agree with that as yeah. well. I don't want a job just because I'm black. Yeah. I just want to have an interview a, a with you, an opportunity yeah. Yeah. for you to talk with me. Yeah. And if I don't get that opportunity already, then where do I get? Yeah. And then you get frustrated people. It must mean, I mean, you're the only Dutch captain to lift a major tournament. It must mean something quite significant to you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so much about it. For me, it was almost like you know, like a like a dream. You, you mm. know, if you if you win it, you, you you don't come to your senses for a long, long time, and then all of a sudden you you sit in your in your house, no noise and everything, and then you think, so what what just yeah. happened? What yeah. did, what happened? Um, we are aware of it. I don't want to talk so much about it. Were you lionized by the Dutch people? Was it this moment where the the Dutch side that gave us the ideal of total football that went to two World Cup finals that that is a small nation but was producing wonderful footballers 
has this next generation with you at the top of the tree. You've won a Ballon d'Or. You're the best player in the world, and you're Dutch, and then you're lifting. But you forget also something. In that period, PSV Eindhoven won the Champions League. Yeah. And in that period, also uh, Ajax won the UEFA Cup, but from Boston. So it's a remarkable time for Dutch football. It was football. a remarkable time yeah. for Dutch football. And you Dutch were the combination football. of it. And that all, and that all, you know, glued t yeah. t t together. And um, and then here you go again. But, in but yeah, but I don't talk so much about it. This a lot Why? of people. It was a massive that's achievement. Past. It's past. Sure, but, but the, the thing is, you don't need to live. When I'm talking about you, don't you need to and your achievements all the time in the past. No, because no, every true. time, because every year we become better. Oh, you were fantastic. Oh, oh, you guys are becoming better and better and better. After a while, you want, he said, okay, we've done that. That's, that's, that's I, the past. I agree it's with already that. 30 years ago. I agree with Come that. Come on. Now we live now. Okay. Fine. Now we, we can but we, we are do the same We're some of all our parts, aren't we? So by definition, it's a natural conversation to talk about achievement because people leverage off that. I they know. use it as an inspiration and to understand from, a, from an Englishman that never has never seen his side win anything and a proud Englishman and, you know, and desperate for us to win something and sick to the back teeth. Okay, you, and, and I give you an advice. What? Never sing Football's Coming Home. <laughs> and the moment you start singing you this like thing, that. you jinx it, it's but you gone. Do, you do realise it's a parody, don't you? We're no, sending no, no, we don't up. see that. In the rest you of, don't? No, in the rest no. of the world, we don't see that because you claim football. Yeah, because we, we, we're in the Scots. We, you were invented originated it. it yeah. You invented yeah. it. But it's not yours. It's a no. global thing. No, I think... It's I think, a global sport. I think it's, it's from called, everybody. I think it's But called, you claim it with that song. And every time you use it, nobody wants you to win it. And that energy costs you yeah, but I don't, I don't think you. I don't think the team... It's a bad energy. So my advice... Is don't look, use it. Just keep on singing. <laughs> Your international career finishes, you come back again in 94, and then you make a decision domestically a year later to come to English football. Yes. And you come because of Hoddle. No, not only because of Hoddle. There were two things that was important for me. Hoddle came to my house. <laughs> 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 he did, by the way. <laughs> he came to my house. No, and also I wanted to have. I was in a, a little bit of a difficult time privately. Yeah. And I wanted to have my freedom back. Italy gave me everything, but also privately, I, I couldn't go out. Yeah. I couldn't go on the streets walking. I couldn't go shopping. I couldn't go to the cinema. I could yeah. a lot of things I couldn't do because of the passion of the Italian fans. And I thought to myself, I wanted to go somewhere else. Changes because of the break. Changes. And Glenn came. Yeah. I had no clue what Chelsea was all about. And I asked my lawyer about it. And he said, uh, no, Chelsea's a nice area, by the yeah. way. Yeah. London. Yeah. I said, okay. Okay, that's good. So I had some information and things like that. And I said to myself, London. Okay. I think I'd do it. So I went to Stamford Bridge to sign my contract. And I saw Stamford Bridge not having two stands. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, Ruth. So then they put me in a, a, a hotel close to the airport. And I had a car. So I said, look, I go to King's Road. I have heard about King's Road. So I drove to King's Road. And then I started walking. 
and I was in the beginning, I was always walking as a prey, like thinking, okay, when when people comes, you yeah. know. So all the time thinking, okay, what pff, hearing footsteps running towards you and things like that. So and after 15 minutes, I could let that go. Nobody was chasing me, nobody was looking at me. I was like, oh my God, this is nice. Then eventually I found somewhere a terrace. And I sat on a terrace for two hours just watching people. Absolute freedom. Mm. And I can tell you, it was the best feeling I've ever had to be able to mingle into yeah. the crowd. Just lose yourself in that. Yeah. It was the best feeling. That's the reason also why I, in 2000, cut my hair. I just right. wanted to have my freedom back. I just wanted to be like anybody else. Although I know that people, you know, appreciate what I've done. I yeah. know. But I just wanted to have to walk around. Anonymity. Yes. Yeah. That's why London is my happy place. Yeah. When I come here, I have that feeling all the time because that's where it began for me yeah. again. Within a year of you going there as a player, Glenn's going off to manage England and you have an opportunity presented to you to move into the role of player manager. Was that something that you couldn't turn down? No, was I didn't it something want you it. thought was a natural you didn't no, want it. I didn't want it in the beginning. Right. They had to persuade me and the right. and especially the crowd persuaded right. me. Because I knew that if I took that job, that my career was finished as a football player. I knew that. Yeah. You can't do both. It's impossible to do. So you'd have been what there, thirty five? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. You're coming to the end anyway, weren't you? I was I was still fit. I could still play. Was football management something you envisaged? No. You didn't. No, I even never with thought. These even no. with the, even with these lessons in life that you were no. given by Cruyff, no, how much of a leader you are, how yeah. much of a person to bring I people know. with you are. I never thought I would be a coach. Never. Right. Never thought. I I remember that people ask me also, would you ever be a coach? I said, no, 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 no. Have to deal with a guy like me? No. <laughs> I was going to ask you that question. I was going to ask you that. No. The thing is, you know, the most difficult guys are mostly the guys who make difference on the pitch as of well course. because they yeah. think different. Absolutely. Maradona is an easy guy? Yeah. No. And no. Bappa is an easy no. guy? No. Messi? No, no easy guys. They think different. and they yeah. you. But the, the thing is, as coach, you have to use them. Use their abilities, use their mind in yeah. order what they think. Talk with them. Krov was a master in that with players. He understood that. Beckenbauer understood it immediately. He yeah. knows exactly how to deal with players like that because mm -hmm. he'd been like that. Yeah. So for me, I never thought of being a coach. So therefore, I thought to myself, oh, if I do this, this my career is over. Mm -hmm. Plus, I cannot Your be... Your playing in, career. Yeah. Yes. I cannot be in the locker room anymore. Yeah. I'm because... I have to make decisions that yeah. are difficult. So <laughs> in the beginning, I had to laugh because there were players. Every time I go in the in the, in the corridor, they say, I don't love you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Please release me, let me go. <laughs> and it was funny. I had to laugh about it. I had also an argument with Dennis Weiss. That's not difficult, is it? No. Dennis. <laughs> Dennis was captain. And there was a game against Leicester away. We were one nil down and he was not doing the things that I wanted him to do. So I took him off. We won the game yeah. after that. So he's nothing to say. Yeah. And he hated me. And then we had a mutual friend who we played golf. I played golf. Right. And he would say, yeah, Rudy only wants foreigners in his team. And blah, blah, blah. I said, no, he doesn't. That's not true, Dennis. I think you should talk with him. You should call him. 
Dennis came to my house. <laughs> I was going to say, he must have come to your house. Yes, he came to my house. Dennis explained to me, he said, look, Dennis, that's not, that's not the point. I want you to play as I think you can play. Yeah. You doing crazy things like red cards, yellow cards, no diving into yeah. people. I don't want you to do that. You are a good player, yeah. but I want you to play in the holding role just with your mind, not with your heart all the time. That's that's over. I want this is a team that wants to play football. I want, and I said to him, if you do that, you are my captain and you play. So make a choice. And I said to him also, if you're going to play like that, you're going to play for the national team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah. He was laughing, but eventually he did, and I think he was one of my best players of Chelsea. I mean, I know Wisey. I nearly employed him as a manager, and I like him. I think he's a character. I, I like him he's, as well. He's a handful, but he's a character. But yeah, for for you to make the transition um, from player to manager, did you find it difficult? Was it a yeah. was it a protracted process? Did you so did you take advice? From anybody, were there any managers in your past? No, of course. Uh, if you, if all the coaches, if you see Capello, Saki, Michels were important mm. people that I saw. The only thing that I always thought that was a thing that was against me as a manager was the fact that I am too happy. Right. I want to have a laugh. Right. I I want to enjoy myself, and I knew that that was something that would go against me because if people see you laughing all the time they think he's not serious yeah that's that's a misconception of, of of a person but that's what people think the more grumpy you are the more serious you look and, right. it's, and it has nothing to do and i just didn't want to make sometimes when, when i was on the pitch i was thinking all the time of the team you see me hardly laughing when I'm on yeah. the bench, because I'm all the time thinking about what is the opposition trying to do? What is the, so that is not me. I, but you're not, you're not a laughing fool, are you? No, you're no, a very no. cerebral I just, and well, clever I'm, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just positive. You think, did you think you deserve the sack? For what? We were, we, were, we were doing well in well, Europe, we were doing, yeah. no. I was blamed later on that I was going a lot to Amsterdam. My mom had breast mm. cancer. Yeah, she was in she was in the hospital. I, I yeah. needed to be with of her. Of course. And if you if you take that as a reason yeah. for sacking me, that says more, more about, about you, you yeah, yeah. than about me. This job, Sunes, Allardyce, Pardew, have all described this job as the impossible job. Eddie Howe's got a different landscape oh, right you now. You forget somebody, Bobby Robson. Bobby, yeah, yeah. You forgot somebody. Yeah, all <laughs> described it as the yes. impossible job. Is it, was it? Maybe not so much it now. Was, it was yeah. impossible. Yeah. Why? Um, they asked me to, to, to play the game that, that we played with Chelsea, the same kind of football that we played with Without Chelsea. In order to do so, I needed to, I needed to do things that for some people were too difficult to do. That's not the point, but if you are open to do so, then it mm -hmm. will. If you see players, I had English players look like Dennis. He wanted, he wanted to adapt. He did. The point that Graham, I think, was making and Sam were making and to some extent Pardew was making is this impossible circle to square of pleasing the fans' expectation. Newcastle fans, every time I open my trap and talk about their no, expectations. No, I love them. That, yeah. was not, that, was that wasn't not the impossible part. No, no, that was not the impossible part. 
The fans were fantastic. They just wanted success. If you see what how he did now and that yeah. does now, it's fantastic. Yeah. That is the success they wanted. A little bit of success that they can feel that they're part of the English football. That's just the thing but that they Eddie Howe's got the perfect timing, isn't he? I mean, let's be having it right. They but have, he has it right, eh? They, he absolutely does. And, and he's doing it the right way and fair, oh, play, yeah. and fair play to him. But they had 13 years of a chairman that they hated. And so they've got somebody in now. Anything, Eddie Howe lands in a perfect space where the atmosphere is, they could have put anybody in that in that dugout and he'd be given support. I don't know. Not don't success. Know. I'm not saying the success. I'm know. saying the atmosphere of Newcastle fans now is so fervent because they had 13 years. Because they focused themselves on, on, on the owner. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. 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 So therefore, I, it, it, for me, it was, it, was, it was impossible to do. I went to Shepard, yeah. to Freddie, and I said, look, this is not going to work. I, I, it's not gonna. But because you had to go to him, no, rather no, no. Than him come to you. <laughs> I went to him. I said no. <laughs> it's not gonna help. It's, yeah. it's not gonna work. I just resigned. He refused it. He refused to to, to resign. And I said to him, I said, look, I can't not change this. This is not gonna happen here. Because I I was also to a FA Cup final with him. Of course, we 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 played against um, Man United. Man, you, yeah, I went to that triple. game. Yeah, that yeah. was a great team, yeah. by the way. We had n no chance in. We played well, but they had so many players who could score goals. That yeah. was too difficult. But you got you've got them to an FA Cup final, and then I remember I remember watching this, and given the little nuggets you've just given me about leadership, management, managing difficult mm. players, being a difficult player. I'm watching you pick a fight with Shearer. No, I didn't pick a fight. I came already to Newcastle, and before I started, they said already, yeah, that Ruth Gillard wants to pick, want to take him out. Before I even started, and that was not that was not the point. That was not the point at all. So therefore, but you I drop explained. You drop him for a derby. I needed to do something in order. I was unlucky in that to do game. what? I was unlucky. But to do what? Some, what did you need you to remember, do? You remember? You remember that I said. That I took Dennis Weissart, yeah, captain, yeah, and we won the game. That was a turning point, also for him. Yeah. So, but he was a different character. Yes, Shearer is a cult hero. Look, I like I like Shearer. I, yeah, you know, we I'm are sure very, you do. We're, we're, but look, but he, you, went, you went in after Robert Lee. You went in after Shearer. No, I didn't went after anybody. The thing is, for me, players that can change, you know, that can if if I give you all the tools to become better and you don't want it, then it is a difficult task for me. For instance, if I take, uh, oh, Gary Speed, God have his soul, by the way. God rest his soul, yeah. yeah. He wanted to change. He was a midfielder that was running from box to box. And I said, no, I don't want you to do that anymore. I want you to be a holding player and I want you to control midfield. He did. He was my best player. So therefore, if you have players around you who doesn't want to, to take advice from you yeah. or, or, or are not capable of taking advice, then there is no way that I can do it. I was right. They relegated it after that. Yeah. I was right. If, if they have the power, if these players have power and I cannot change it, then you do it yourself because then I cannot do anything for you. They relegated it. So I was right in everything. That was not my time to do so. And I said it to Shep, uh, Freddie. Yeah. I said, look, I cannot change that. If they have power, if they are the ones who rule this club and this team, then so be it. Yeah. 
The funny thing is that I didn't have a grudge at all. I just wanted to make a point yeah. with Alan Shearer. The funny thing is that after our careers, both of us, we sat down together. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. because we understood what each we, other's yeah, position. Yeah. He understood, I understood his, and he understood mine position. And so therefore, we were sitting in a, in a terrace in Brazil, the World Cup, and we were sitting, we were having fun, and we were laughing and things like that. His wife comes to me, she says, I cannot believe that you were the topic in our house, the bastard, the this, and everything. And now I see you both laughing with mm. each other. Thinking, I cannot believe this. I said, yes, because that's also football. Yeah. That's also life. You, you, you take it. And because we're men of substance as well. Exactly. Mm. And I think that that is the beauty, I think, also from the relationship we have. We, we, we acknowledge each other. We have, you know, also respect for each other. And uh, Would you have done the same thing as Shearer if someone had come in and dropped you to make a point? Look, of course I would be pissed off. It, it, the funny thing is we were in a, in a television program. I was with Gary Lineker. And Gary Lineker wanted to get me back for putting him on the bench of putting him or whatever. And he said about the same questions about, uh, yeah, you know, can you, handle, can you handle difficult players? And I said to him, no, I just put them on the bench. And then we all started <laughs> laughing. <laughs> yes. And then eventually he did it again. And with, with Alan, he tried to protect him yeah. against me. And then after a while, he, again, he started. And I said, he put him on the bench and everything. I said, look, I think that Bobby Robson wanted to sell him to Liverpool. Mm. Is that true? <gasps> Alan said, don't go there. Don't we go there. <laughs> Let's stop about this. So therefore, we, that's the point. Mm. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's my point. Newcastle now, do you, do you think that Eddie Howe is going to deliver things for them? I think that what Howe did is... Exceptional. What I like about Newcastle is that everybody thought they would buy unbelievable players yeah. with the money they got. And it didn't happen. They will, though. We don't know that. Guaranteed they will. I, I don't know that. I, I think that the, the, to kick the on road they, to they kick took on now, to. yeah, but the road they took now, yeah. for me, is, a decent is road. the best road yeah. they took. They take it step by step by step yeah. by step. And maybe it will... It will, because now they play Champions League, all of a sudden people want to come, eh? Yeah, yeah. Huh? Yeah, and they smashed Pierce they, last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. therefore, slowly, slowly, these players are coming now to Newcastle. That's yeah. what they need. They need to stay in the they need to stay in the Champions League yeah. as long as possible in order to attract better Tall players. Order though, isn't it? And I think that how we could do it. But if it doesn't, that's what the Saudi needs. Mm -hmm. They need to no, every owner. We'll see. Every owner wants that. Come yeah. on. Well, Tottenham wants that. They want, uh, but these guys, are, these guys are different, aren't they? We, we know what Daniel Levy and Daniel's a friend of mine, and he will manage Tottenham in a certain way. The Middle Eastern guys, they have a different dynamic. Money isn't a financial problem for them. The, ob the sport is a gateway for something else. Sport is an opportunity for the Middle East to create different influences. So the fact that Newcastle, but the Americans do the same, man. Eh? It's, that for but them is just a business. It's just a business model. Yeah, yeah it is, but it's a that's, a, that's a different and, and, reason. But that's also. fine, Rude. That's clear. Do you think it's fine? Well, it's, if you're going to pay players five hundred grand a week, and if you're you going to want buy, success, eh? yeah, of course you do. But business, and yeah, the, but the business, yeah, I don't, I, don't, 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 don't mis, misinterpret to me. The, you're in the business of success, 
right? Yeah. So, but the business behind it is the economics that fuel yeah. it. Man United are a business, yeah. Yeah. right? Uh, and but they're run by certain principles, which is that 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 the amount of revenue they can generate and the amount of money that they can manifest for their opportunity is what's going to drive the football club forward. In the Middle Eastern football clubs, their agenda isn't necessary. They want success. And they want to be the best of the pile, but their main motivation... What is the motivation, you think? Well, influence. The rules of engagement are different for them. An American businessman coming in, John Henry coming into Liverpool will go, I'm going to spend some money, right? But I'm going to sell Coutinho first for 140 million quid. And then you can have Virgil van Dijk and you can have uh, Alisson mm -hmm. out of that 140 million quid. United come in, United owners will leverage that deal and we'll use the economics. The Burnley owners, different set of football clubs scale, but the Middle Eastern guys, they've got a different parameter because they've got more money than anyone's ever seen and they're going to win by any cost and not necessarily by organic growth. So it's a, And their main motivation is to put the Middle Eastern countries on the map for influence, for recognition. But it's... But it's another saying, way. I'm, it's it's another an way. other way. I'm just saying, but it is different set of also rules. a way yeah. to get awareness about what happens in the Middle East. The Middle East is also changing a lot. Eh? I know. I'm, it's changing I was a the, lot. Rude. I was one of the few people in the British media that, when everybody was virtue signaling, we're not going to go to this World Cup. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. It's outrageous. You've got the Linnikers in the world, with, you know, but they've taken the Middle Eastern money, sitting there going, "It's disgusting what's happening in this country." And I'm sat there going, "Every country evolves at a different pace." Every country changes its viewpoints. Exactly. And who are we in the West to lecture everybody in the yeah, other parts of the world? But that's what we do. But that's what we do. That's what we do. We are very good in that. Talking about managers and challenges, what do you make to Ten Hag and the challenge of Manchester United? And there was an interesting interview the other day with someone that's very understated and doesn't have a high opinion of himself, Ibrahimovic. Yes. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> that, that talks about Ten Hag and his ability to manage top players. What what do you see for Ten Hag? I mean, he's got this, and and, and what do you see about this spat with Jaden Sancho? I think I think it's a difficult task. Yeah, especially because he didn't have yet a background to to say, okay, can he manage Man United? Yeah. So for Man United to pick him was a was a was a risk also for Man United, okay? But they done it already with Mourinho, didn't work out. Then they did it with Van Gaal, didn't work out, okay? They had, you know... Well, Mourinho did earned, okay, didn't they? Yeah, but where they earned their stripes, you know, mm. in, in football. But that was not at least what Man United was all about. That's what they said, okay? That's what Man United... I think Mourinho is a wonderful coach, different coach than, 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 than all the others, but he is f fantastic. I look up to him. Mourinho? I, oh, yeah. Oh, me too. Fantastic coach. Do you think he's done? I don't know. I hope not. Me too. No, I hope I, not. I, I, hope I, so I like him. I like him. and uh, But that's another thing. So therefore, they they changed all these coaches for, for different kinds of reasons. And then all of a sudden, they took him. It was a surprise also in Holland. First. Was it? But what he did, he came, he comes from 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 the east of of. of, of of Holland, yeah, he talks in a funny way, right. a different way, and so to come to Amsterdam, you know, was already difficult. But he managed to do so. He managed to do really, really well. He was just stay calm, do his thing, and he managed a team that could almost win the Champions League. They beat Real Madrid in Madrid, mm -hmm. fair and square. So he knows his football. 
So now he comes to Maynard. Maynard is the most difficult club. And why? Because people live still in the 90s. They forgot, forget that there are other teams with as much money that yep. they have. Okay? Yep. Agreed. So now a lot of players, the best players, don't play in May United. They play different teams now. Pep has them. Klopp has them. Uh, Chelsea had them. A lot of clubs ha have them. So they don't have that anymore. So to rule, as you did in the 90s, is not possible mm -hmm. anymore. It's not going to happen anymore. But everybody around the club wants that. That is their legacy yep. to do so. So they live too much in the past. Then you have old players who are on television telling them that that is the case all the time. So that is difficult okay. for a coach to work. Mm -hmm. That's very difficult because they want that time to come back. And that's not going to come back. Not now. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you. I also for enjoyed me. it. And thank you for being so upfront. <laughs> I'm coming to your house. <laughs> upfront with me, Simon Jordan, is brought to you by William Hill. Future episodes can be found on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly.